Hello and welcome to the Medicine and Machine Learning Podcast. I'm your host, David Wu, and in today's episode, I interview Joy Kincaid from OncoHealth. It was a joy talking with Joy, and I learned so much about the burgeoning digital health industry, as well as what it's like to design and build a successful product in this space. I learned a lot of things about the industry that we don't learn in medical school, and also get some great career advice and wisdom about finding the right mentors. So I hope you all enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Medicine and Machine Learning Podcast. I'm your host, David Wu. My guest today is Joy Kincaid from OncoHealth, which has just launched their new digital telehealth platform supporting cancer patients and their families. Joy was formerly VP of Population Health at Optum. So our first question, Joy, that we ask every guest is, can you tell us about your path and how you came to the intersection of digital health? Normally medicine and machine learning, but you know, digital health. Yeah, and thank you. And I like to think of it as like um, an intersection of technology and medicine, kind of to your point. Um, So I would say, you know, it's funny you asked that question because, you know, I think we're just beginning to get to that intersection. And so, you know, um, I'm super excited about the next 10 years and what, what will happen in our industry that we work on together, which I think is so awesome that you're a med student. Um, because I think this kind of collaboration of bringing together folks from business and like our next generation of doctors is really what's going to spearhead this awesome intersection even more and accelerate it. Um, So I'll tell you about my past. Um, I would say if I was going to summarize, it was one, indirect, um, but then two, it's been long and windy and a journey and it's been an awesome journey that, you know, happy to share about. So I actually didn't start in healthcare. When I was in college, I studied commerce and engineering and, you know, this concept of going into healthcare was really reserved for physicians and nurses and people who wanted to, were actually going to deliver care. And from college, I went into um, what was happening at, when I graduated around the turn of the century. Um, I went into management consulting. I, there was a tremendous, I, was, I graduated during the height of the internet boom or the dot-com boom, but I decided to go into management consulting and at a company called Anderson Consulting, which at the time was a privately held company that then started to IPO and became what is now Accenture. And that was a rocket ship. We worked with companies that, um, it's kind of embarrassing to admit, but we were eliminating long distance and phone lines and rolling out the digital revolution across. That's kind of cool. Why is it embarrassing? It just, I feel like I'm like dated. Um, No, that's super cool. You've paved the way for the future. Yes, it was before the iPhone. A telephone line by telephone line, you know? Telephone line by telephone line. So it's really fun to say we're in digital health now to see how it's progressed 13 years after the iPhone was invented. Um, But yeah, yeah. massive telecom companies that were, you know, deciding how do I bring, move away from the old school modem and move away from copper wires and, you know, lay this infrastructure that's really powering the internet today. 
Um, so had an opportunity to work with large telecom companies like AT&T and British Telecom. Um, and then also uh, I was in the electronics and high tech. And so there was another thing that was growing at the time that also I think has influenced our world and that was the open source platforms. And so worked with the, one of the original leaders, um, a startup in open source and you know rolling out subscription models. So all direct to consumer, um, all in electronics and high tech that was just going through significant revolution. I, um, after about six years, so I lived in New York, I went to school in Philadelphia, went to New York, um, wanted to get out of what I thought was the rat race and, you know, mm. take a change. The, the world was about to hit the financial crisis, but we didn't know that. Is this the, the dot-com boom or? Well, the dot-com boom. Or dot bubble or burst or whatever. That bubble burst. And then. Uh, Was that when you first started or? Sorry if I'm dating. No, go for it. Yeah. yeah. So the dot-com boom was in the early 2000s. Um, and then I think if I'm going to be a historian, um, to your point, then we're about to hit the great recession with the bank. Oh, in 2008. Uh, okay. 2000 good memory um and I didn't know that I'm clearly we didn't know that at the time and so I was looking to leave management consulting because it was quite the roller coaster being a part of the dot-com boom in technology electronics and high tech um and so I actually was looking at a company called Merrill Lynch which doesn't really exist anymore oh yeah I was approached to do healthcare and move to Florida at a startup um and when I went through the process of meeting with this company called WellCare, which is now Centene, um, they had just IPO'd. They were starting to work with states and government healthcare and children's health program was just getting rolled out by the administration. Um, I was, I remember asking what a provider was because I had never heard that term before. I was like 28 years old. Um, and I was just inspired by the fact that you could do other things that were much more like um, helping people than rolling out cell phones. I hate to say it. <laughs> the irony is now you're helping people medically through their cell phones. Yes, exactly, exactly. And so that has been a theme throughout my career uh, because like here we are coming to roll out uh, like Medicaid and children's health programs. And the, you know, we were putting network gear in trunks of cars. We, so one, we were working with the states to roll out these managed care programs in a number of states like Florida, Ohio, Georgia. And here we are putting network gear in the car so, and putting laptops so we could actually enroll people into Medicaid programs. Um, and so, because we didn't have an iPhone still invented yet. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. So I got really hooked on healthcare. And then eventually um, another um, company call, started calling, which was Optum, which is, you know, if you know who Optum is, um, that was another rocket ship. Optum is a health services company that's part of United Health Group that is, has three main businesses now. Um, one in pharmacy, um, one Optum Care, and then one Optum Insight that does more data and analytics. And so rode the, the had amazing opportunities at Optum. It was just a great place to um, really do positive change. And 
you know, got eventually got me to the point after 12 years where, you know, I loved Optum. I thought it was a great company, but I just saw this revolution happening um, outside of the walls of Optum Mm -hmm. and wanted to, you know, got an opportunity to work for this fantastic company, Onco Health. um, Briefly, before we start about Onco Health, I'm curious, I've heard so much about Optum but I actually don't really know what they do. You know, I know you said they have three components to them, but yeah, I, I think the joke among, you know, me and I guess some of the docs that I work for, we, we don't like, what does Optum actually do? <laughs> uh, so Optum is a health services company and I would say it does a lot. And I think that um, um, you, you do, so one, I think there's a lot from a, so one, it has like, look I don't work I know they're a massive company I I know it's like a huge yeah so one of the things Optum um and I want to be thoughtful around Optum because um I don't know how they position these companies but you know they have MedExpress so your urgent care facilities they have a number of Optum like a large physician network that they own so they're actually delivering care oh wow Um, and they are a large pharmacy benefits manufacturer uh, manager. So they have the ability to, um, when you are working, you know, when you have health insurance and you need to get be covered for your medicines, you, you know, Optum is the insurance company behind their pharmaceuticals. Um, and then on the analytics side, Optum also, you know, provides data and analytics services to lots of hospitals um, and provider groups directly. Um, and as well as Optum has a, a group of kind of care services products that help uh, consumers manage their care when they're diagnosed with chronic conditions and so forth chronic conditions and so forth and works with employer groups. So, you know, it's interesting. It's, um, to your point, that's a common question. Like what is Optum? Um, and I think it's, it's just such, it's, it's because it primarily works B2B2B. Like oh, okay. it, it's kind of um, behind the scenes powering wow. many things. So. Does that help? That's pretty cool. A little scary, but pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I would encourage you to listen to one of United Health Group's earnings calls, and then you'll learn a lot more uh, uh, who Optum is. But it's um, it's a, it's a, you know what? A, that's advice you'd never hear in med school: is to listen to an earnings call for United Health Group. <laughs> well, I I think. Uh, <laughs> comment but yeah, no, I, that, I that's, think that's a great idea I mean. <laughs> any of the companies uh cvs optum you know they i you learn a lot from those different earnings calls about the value that they deliver so Some high yield information <laughs> it <is. Yeah. laughs> so hopefully that helps yeah um, yeah very helpful so um Okay, where do you want to go now? Oh, Onco Health. So now, so we we kind of talked about the beginnings from taking out phone lines, uh, the early dot com boom. And now we kind of kind of talked. Uh, you know, the iPhone has been released um, <laughs> thirteen years ago. Yeah, thirteen years ago, and then you're at Optum, and and now you're at Onco Health, right? Yes, I'm at Onco Health. 
Um, so Onco Health is a 10-year-old company, 100% focused on cancer. Um, it's been really known for its clinical excellence. Um, they service about 17 health plans today in a variety of ways, thousands of providers as well as patients, really helping with the complexities of cancer. Um, I just had an opportunity to join OncoHealth and frankly jumped at it. Um, you know, they talked about, you know, so if I take a step back and talk about like my personal, like I think all of us have been impacted by someone who's had cancer. And um, when I made the decision around the time I was making the decision to, to go to OncoHealth, I actually, my nephew had just passed of a rare pediatric cancer and kind of watching so closely how that impacted the life. Um, you just saw there was like, you know, we were fortunate because our, my uh, sister-in-law is a nurse. Um, so she knew the healthcare system, but you know, there's a lot of people who don't. And so when I had an opportunity to meet with the Onco Health team and they talked about this, you know, this vision to really help people, consumers on their journey of cancer and improve their quality of life um, in support of the ecosystem, um, it was just a compelling, you know, it was just really exciting and really ignited kind of the, the spirit in me that, um, of why we're, you know, why I loved healthcare from the beginning and was an opportunity that's really been an amazing experience. And so excited to talk to you more about it. So if that helps. Yeah. So I, I know you guys have this new, um, like Iris, this new digital health platform that you're releasing. I was wondering, could you tell us a bit about that? Yeah. So um, when I, you know, when you think about cancer, um, when you think about the problems in you know, cancer is, it's a complex field of like, I don't know, have you, uh, it's a complex field. Um, you know, there's a lot of challenges, you know, it's in expands, it spans a lot. And so why does it matter? You know, I think about when you think about cancer and, and you think about consumers. And so for me, I've always been a consumer centric kind of person in healthcare. There's 32 million people who live in counties that don't have an oncologist. So the access to care. Um, they also, there's 73% of the population that, you know, when they're, they are diagnosed with cancer, don't have ha access to mental health services. And you can imagine when someone is diagnosed with cancer, I don't know, like, have you been close to cancer in your professional career or your personal career? Um, a little bit professionally, but um, yeah, I guess I've had the fortune of personally not having too much of contact with it it is a pretty significant life event you know what i mean like the there's over 30, 20 million people in the united states that you know are living with cancer there's you know the toll it's taking on individuals in the family is just pretty like immense it's like a life event that most people equate with a death sentence when you're diagnosed with cancer. And so if you take a step back and think about the consumer journey, um, what we're really trying to do is help people with those moments of a supportive care solution that helps them with access to care, helps them get mental health services that they probably, they probably wouldn't get unless they're a part of a academic, very close to an academic institution, um, help them with 
other things that um, um, that maybe aren't as you know the actual treatment of the disease and around their quality of life. So things like nutrition. Um, one of the most common things that people Google when they're actually diagnosed and going through active treatment is, you know, what can I eat when I'm going through cancer? And, you know, so providing nutritional support on whether going through and what, um, as well as, which I think offers peace of mind as well, like you have this diagnosis that is, you are out, of, you feel like you're out of control, like it has been done to you. And so being able, if there's things that you can control, like what you put in your body to eat, like those are things that really help people on that journey. Um, and then, you know, access to 24 seven support. I mean, there's, it is a trying time. And so when, when we took all that data, you know, we just saw there's this compelling need to really help people more. And so what we, um, over the last year or so, we have been working with very closely with um, our clinicians and our oncologists to really develop a digital telehealth solution to help consumers directly and provide them with some of the, the care that is harder to find when they're going through the journey of cancer. Does that help? Yeah. Like what, um, I'm, I know you said something about like mental health needs. Like, is there, I guess what my question is like, you know, with Iris, yeah. What would you say are its most like unique uh, yeah. aspects? I would say, you know, mental health for sure. Uh, so one, having it in the palm of your hand in the digital solution where you can get into instant access to care, what like, you know, whether you're at home, sitting in a, you know, going through your treatment regimen, um, or if you're not feeling good that day. Um, and so one, it's the convenience and being able to, um, have that, we have the ability to do chat, messaging, phone call, you can schedule visits. So really giving, meeting the consumers where they're at, which is like consistent with like, if you're, you know, we, at Amazon or any other industry, you know, if you want something, you can get instant access to um, groceries. And, you know, this is giving you like on par with that, you know, giving you inter instant access to clinical expertise in cancer. I think too, mental health, um, you know, when you think about cancer, you know, I think it's widely known that, I actually would love to hear your physician point of view of this, but sure, yeah. you know, that, you know, there's been studies and research done that uh, oncologists, you know, they're very confident in the actual treatment, but you know, did they have the level of confidence around mental health? Um, and so, you know, and how to handle that when someone is going through cancer. Um, and then two, we know that this is a significant life event and people are, you know, going to have anxiety coping skills. We, we interviewed over 450 people with cancer on this journey and their families and the mental health side of it was just really resonant as a unmet need. Um, and so that mental health is one, and we're doing that through oncology specific mental health um, trained individuals, social workers and psychiatrists, as well as um, this concept of community through peer mentors. Mm. So we were building this product. What we learned was people were going to Facebook groups and looking for community. They were looking for people who'd gone through cancer, similar cancers to them or similar journeys 
and they were informally creating peer mentors and networks. And so we're creating a peer mentor network um, where folks in the, they don't need to go out on Facebook and find someone on a Facebook group. It's all there conveniently in the palm of their hand and they can learn about the journeys of these peer mentors and they can message and they can um, connect with them when, you know, when they, on their terms. So I would say one, it's the instant access to care, both physical um, and mental, as mm-hmm. well as community and support are some of the key things, um, as well as we're providing nutritional guidance. So that's really cool. Wow. I'm curious, uh, how would you say your experience from your previous uh, or your previous experiences, you know, at Optum or Accenture, yeah. like how have they helped uh, helped you with creating Iris and, you know, with, um, yeah, this Iris journey? Yeah. So I would say, number one, um, when I was at Optum, I had an opportunity to be a part of an executive development program, and they sent us to Stanford and trained us on human-centered design. And I think, one, you know, bringing that into healthcare was like, um, that changed me from a career perspective, having that opportunity to, to like be formally trained on the human centered design processes. Um, so, and bring that to Onco Health, um, which they had already, it was supporting their vision that they already had, which was to u- utilize those practices as we develop this product. Um, two, I would say from an Accenture perspective, when you're doing management consulting, you're always going zero to one. So you're dropping into a client site and you have to organize, create a plan, get a product to shift. Um, And so that was really helpful to have those experiences. And then three, I would say, you know, Optum, you know, Optum was a great um, place to learn about the whole ecosystem of as you, we talked, is massive, right? So it's every part of the, the ecosystem to have that broader view of what is the ecosystem that we are working with and we're all working towards the same goal. Um, and, you know, how do we can fit into that and complement it? Because we all know there's opportunities across the board to, to continue to prove, um, improve the, mo- the world what we live in, so. Yeah. Um more on that, where would you say Iris and Onco Health sits in that ecosystem? You know, the vast ecosystem of healthcare that is expanding rapidly. Yeah, so the way we're going to market is a couple ways. So we're primarily have an enterprise product. So what we've done is collaborated with health, uh, three, three health plans um, to bring this product to their members. And so what we're doing, so that's one. So that's how we'll we'll work with and pay for the product. Um, so it will be at no cost to all individuals that will be using it. Oh wow. Um, and then two, um, we will um, you know what we're our supportive care product. So we're not here like cancer is a complex journey. There's hundreds of types of cancers and people are at different stages. And so we're here to support the treatment plans that the, the individual is going on um, and really so, you know, providing that, those moments in between is the way we like to say it, provide mm-hmm. that care in the mm-hmm. middle, um, you know, between the oncology visits, um, mm. support of an oncologist, you know, for things that the individual may not be able to get 
from their oncologist. Um, yeah. So oh, that's really cool. That's really, that's like something that I hadn't thought of, you know, as a medical Tell student. Me more. Working in, <laughs> uh, you know, like working in the hospital um, and I have taken care of some cancer patients, but I guess working in the hospital, you kind of forget that there's also the outside world and that they have needs that are, you know, after you discharge that still need to be met. And uh, it's really cool that, you know, like I think like community, for example, is something that is really important. And it's, it's great that you guys can help provide that community um, nutrition guidance. And it just kind of like feeling engaged, like someone is engaging you or you have like people following up with you. I think that's like really helpful. And wow, that's, that's cool that, you know, you guys can provide that. Yeah. And I would say to that point, you know, a big part of our program is the caregivers and the family. So every single visit, the, we encourage the, the patient to include their caregivers and their family members. And um, that's been a core tenant of this product since the beginning that, you know, cancer is not an individual burden, but it's one that all the family members you know, need support with. Um, we found that people, you know, people are, how do I speak to my family? Like one of the biggest things we found through the research is when you're diagnosed with cancer, how do you talk to your family members about it? How do you talk to your children? And a lot of what we're helping people with is helping them, you know, create, ask for help, help, you know, help them with this journey that they're on. Um, and then, you know, in, those types of questions come up often, you know, and their own identity. And so it's, yeah, it, it, it's really been serving a need. We just did a direct to consumer uh, launch in New England. We had hundreds of people uh, sign up within just 10 days of one Facebook ad. Um, we were able did to- Did you guys put the ads in the, the Facebook groups? <laughs> we did, we did. We, tar we, we did go to the Facebook groups and we had over 174 people um, asked to be, you know, to be participate in this first launch mm -hmm. within just 10 days. And we, out of the, the group, we qualified, that was way beyond what we thought. So like, you know, it was awesome to get that feedback and validation that we're hitting an unmet need. And then we just completed um, that first launch and we had, fifth, you know, I talked about three-fourths of the people don't have access to mental health. Well, about 60% of those people we treated um, as part of that pilot um, got access to mental health services. Wow. Uh, lots of people, the nutrition was just off the charts as a need, mm. um, so validated that. And we had over 100% of the people in actually engaged with the product and actually in some of the symptom management and clinical support. So, and our rating was 4.8 out of five on a uh, star wow. scale. So we were super excited um, with those results um, being our initial product launch and we're super excited. We'll be launching this spring. Um, oh, officially? Officially with those. Oh, congrats. That's awesome. Yeah, so it's it's been a journey and it's good to see that, you know, one of the big things is like testing those hypotheses with real people. And so mm -hmm. it's been fantastic to see how this product has evolved. How, how do you guys find the peer, um, peer mentors? Was, the, was that the word? Yeah, said, the peer mentors. So, you know, <laughs> um, a lot of different ways. 
-hmm. We have the first group of peer mentors, we were getting referrals from, Mm. we actually had two people, two employees of Onco Health who actually volunteered to be a part of the peer mentor program and do this as part of uh, their job. Um, And then our clinical team has treated patients for many years. And so they actually had a number of patients that were volunteered to be a part of our peer mentor program. So I think it's, and then we've actually had um, patients in that alpha group asked to be a part of our peer mentor program. So that's cool. It, it has been, yeah, I mean, the, the concept of being a peer mentor has gone really, really well. Um, and so it's a multitude of sources. So if you mm. know anybody, you know, we are always, we're always looking for, you know, great candidates to be a part of the program. So what kind of role does the clinical team play? So our clinical team, so the way we are structured is our chief medical officer is a oncologist, um, uh, uh, Dr. Andrew Norton. He um, came, he was uh, at Dana-Farber and he is a visionary leader and he he really set, helped us, you know, he really sets the tone on what is our clinical guidance and curriculum. He sets the, you know, I partner with him when we were talking about what are the, you know, how do we provide value? What are we hearing from the consumers? And then what do we, you know, how do we bring that together in the confluence, what I call the confluence of design? Because we have to bring together phenomenal quality care, voice of the consumer, as well as the needs of our, um, the person that we are clients, which are the health plans that are providing that service. And so he, he also overruns our clinic, overly uh, runs our clinical team. So we have uh, uh, a variety of, you know, we have a psychi- psychiatrist, we have social workers, we have uh, nurses, we have pers- um, physician's assistants, we have pharmacy folks. So, you know, he runs that whole uh, clinical operations practice for us and really sits the visionary vision of that in the clinical model. And then our clinical team is they're providing care and they're doing a great job with it. Wow. I'm, I'm curious. So what would you say the, the next steps for Uncle Health or for Iris would be? Um. Well, we are going whatever to, you can say, yeah, you know, no, in public. No, <laughs> you know, we're launch, you know, we're launching with our uh, three partners this spring, and we are looking at the next uh, next couple of years, and they're really excited for the future of this product. I think, you know, there, it clearly is serving an unmet need, and you know, we're just excited about expanding it, providing more services, and helping more people on that journey and kind of scaling it. Um, kind of, you know, I don't know how many startups who kind of got into this story with, but, you know, kind of when you go, there's like three stages of a startup, right? So there's the building of it. So zero to one, which is getting it to, to market and shipping. And then it's like one to two where you're- One to two. <laughs> yeah, one to two where you're scaling it, you know, yeah. take, product you've gotten product market fit and mm-hmm. now you get to the next stage and then three you know two to three is like how do you how does the product mature how does the business mature uh, from there i would so. have guessed like two to a hundred you know like yeah. getting it real big <laughs> <laughs> we'll see we, you know so 
Yeah. That's cool. These are great think... questions. Um, I'm, it's so interesting. I'd love to hear, like, you know, you're you're just starting your, is it fair to say you're just starting your medical? My fourth year. My fourth, fourth year. year. So I'm graduating in a year. Yeah. So what are you going to do? Oh, man. Oh, it's it's rare that I, I'm interviewed by my own guests on this podcast. Uh, and, you know, listeners, <laughs> I guess they can learn about me. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not completely sure. Uh, I'm definitely interested uh, in oncology. I'd say like either radiation oncology or internal medicine uh, going towards like oncology that route. Um, Interesting. But, know yeah, that. it's uh, I, I still haven't completely decided. I think uh, these next few months are going to be critical for me in coming to that decision uh yeah um well so this is my first stint working very so closely with oncology and I would say it is such a fascinating field because of the complexity of it and the community of cancer research I've been really impressed with um the field of oncology and like the community that's within it to Mm. really help people and navigate such a complex disease. Um, And the research that, you know, there's research arms, there's quality of life, there's, um, and then the, you know, you look at the treatments, more people are living, like living afterwards. So how do you help them from a survivorship perspective? It's an amazingly fascinating field, I have to say. Yeah, I think uh, my perspective as it is right now, you know, as a, as a, as a young medical student, um, I do think that I guess what draws me to it is that there, there seems to be a bit more of like a, a spiritual dimension to it in the sense of like, you know, the mental health component of it, the, the community component, family, like there's, whereas, um, you, you know, granted, I'm not, you know, I don't know everything, but I'd say in other fields, it's a, it seems like a bit more of a mechanical problem, you know, like say, oh, like heart attack, it's kind of like a, just a mechanical, you know, like the pump is broken. So let's fix the pump or let's make sure that there's enough circulation to it. Um, whereas cancer, the disease process is less poorly, un- it's less understood. And um, it's much more kind of, there's like a lot of factors that kind of converge. There's a confluence you know, of not just your biological, but also, I think that, you know, there is a, a big other component to it, you know, that like we haven't truly understood yet. And I think that's what draws me to it. Yeah. I mean, um, to your point, one, I think you said spiritual, I mean, such passion, like everyone I've met in the field of oncology is so passionate and, you know, about the space to your point. And um, two, I would say, you know, to your point about spiritual, one of the things that we, that is definitely a theme like throughout and one of the bigger complexities when you're building a product for consumers in this space was, um, and something we really have focused on is, you know, we created Iris and I know there's not a visual here, but like it's a symbol of hope and compassion and how do we bring that it back into someone's life who's been diagnosed with this disease and so we actually spent a lot of time working on our brand and our visual identity um, and our our brand mark is a hummingbird which you know has a spiritual vibe you know is known spiritually as a symbol of positivity you know and so to your point that is a really has been one of my 
greatest kind of experiences is on this journey is like, you know, how do you, how do you bring, you know, it is not like, this is going to sound trite and it's not meant to be like when someone is dying, you know, having a baby, it's a different journey, right? Yeah, definitely. You know, hopefully knock on wood, it's filled with positivity and there's complexities that people do have, but that's a different journey and a different type of product that you have to build versus Mm. diagnosed with cancer. You know, you have to really think about, you don't know what their day was like when they're even reading words on a home screen, right? Was this the day that their cancer was cured? Like, you know, was this, or was this the day that they didn't hear that, that, you know, perhaps it took a diagnosis of advanced metastatic, you know? So, you know, those are the complexities that why we've done so much research is like, how do we, how do we kind of address that and help people? Well, that's cool. You want to be in cancer. You know, I'm happy to introduce you to folks that like our medical, you know, our CMO and our members of our clinical team. They're very inspiring. If you want, if you want to talk to them, I'm happy to do that. Thanks. Honestly, I'm a, (laughs) it's, it's my first time. I don't know. It's, uh, it's funny because I do this podcast and I ask guess all these questions but I feel a little shy about answering questions directed <laughs> at me you know because I guess you know each episode is about you guys but I really appreciate you asking me that so thank you um I guess we you know we can also talk about uh, you know in more broad strokes about the uh the healthcare industry and kind of what are what are your thoughts on on that yeah, so I'm excited, like I talked to you about. So if you look at the landscape of healthcare, the financial investments that are pouring in are the highest they've ever been the last couple of years. And, you know, we're also, we're seeing, we're seeing like, we're, I believe we're just in the first inning of where we're going to be 10 years from now. Um, oh, wow. Totally. Like, because I think you saw a lot go into closing gaps in care and digital health. Um, And I think you'll see even more go to the care delivery of advancing and using technology investments to, you know, really enhance the care delivery. Um, I also think you're now seeing a lot of investment in the infrastructure of healthcare, Mm -hmm. which I think, you know, if you look at financial services and banking as a comparison point, um, like, it's when the ecosystem starts really communicating, like um, that's when you start to see consumers really benefit. And so when I look at healthcare, I think we're just at the tip of the iceberg of where it's gonna be in the next 10 years. And, you know, I think COVID has changed a lot and made it really, forced a lot of positive change, but at the end of the day, people want their actual doctor to use digital health tools. Like, oh, they, really? Yeah. Like 80% of the people want that relationship with their doctor. And so, mm-hmm. um, and you're also seeing companies that are coming to the home and like meeting people where they're at. And I also think You've seen a lot of focus originally was in chronic conditions. You're seeing that expand with women's health. If you look at, um, if you look at uh, the investment pools, Rock Health is a great company that talks about where the investments are. 
Um, you're seeing it go into oncology, women's health, and even children's health and nutrition. So I think the healthcare is um, about to hit our dot-com boom, I'm hopeful, because oh, wow. I be a lot of great companies that come out of this. Um, there's a lot of great companies today, but I think there'll be even more um, in the future. I'm really optimistic. Do you foresee like a kind of iris, but for every kind of like major condition, you know what I mean? Like an iris for yeah. those who are entering pregnancy or you know what I mean? Like, yeah, there like are oncology, OB-GYN, pediatrics. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, there, so the way I look at it, there's like the horizontals which are helping people navigate across the healthcare system and the financial tools. There's a lot of companies in that space um, that, uh, that have really have gone public and are well-known like Accolade, Quantum, Transparent, um, as well as there's vertical companies as well that are uh, addressing those gaps in cares um, from uh, women's health, you know, to like companies like Maven. Um, yeah, there's a lot of and Lavongo. So they don't teach you that in medical school? Oh, no, not, not at all. Like no, companies not, that are helping to fill the gaps in care? Not at all. We learned no, none of that, <laughs> which is a little silly. And actually part of the reason why this podcast started is because I feel like this is just something that we don't learn in school. And yeah. um, it's as you said, it's becoming more and more a part of the future of medicine. Um, and uh, I don't know, I think, <laughs> once again, I'm kind of sharing a little bit of a personal opinion, but uh, the things we learn in school are important. But I think with as technology improves and information becomes much more readily available, it's, uh, I think the emphasis will shift more towards the delivery of care, like you said, and uh, less so about the, the I mean, thinking is still important, but I, I think, uh, you know, kind of making sure people get care uh, and uh, making sure it's like comprehensive. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm curious, what did you mean by like horizontal companies? What did you mean by that? Oh, so um, there's companies that it's called um, within healthcare, there's a sub industry called uh, like advocacy or navigation companies. And what they do is they help connect the dots across the ecosystem. And they work with employers and health plans to, so say you were diagnosed with a chronic condition, um, they'll help you understand your benefits, they'll help you understand what your financial costs may be, they'll help steer you to a provider, you know, um, they'll be able to, and then they'll fall, you know, check in probably with medical adherence. I, I, I don't know all the details about them, mm -hmm. it's been a while, but like they're, they're really focused on helping you, you know, get, navigate the healthcare system. When, okay. So they're kind of like a little guide for you there. Yes. Kind of, yeah. Oh, like this is your insurance. They call the navigator. Can, like they call them advocates or navigators to help. That's kind of cool. Yeah. So there are companies that are providing that service. Um, I think predominantly don't quote, I mean, you can, I'm on a podcast, but I <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm like, don't quote me, but um I think predominantly in the employer markets, like, you know, so, you know, most of America, oh, okay. you know, so like America healthcare system, like there's private insurance, mm. there's government insurance, and like they're serving a lot of the employers because the employers are paying for the benefits of their employees. 
and they want them to maximize those benefits. And, you know, so oh, that makes sense. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, I, I would use that, you know, to say, yeah. Like, oh, yeah, like, where can I go to the dentist? Yes. <laughs> you know, where? Yeah, <laughs> please help me schedule an appointment. Yes, here's the reminders. Yep. So those are exactly what the companies are doing. So wow. So that's horizontal. And I think I guess iris would fall more under the vertical, vertical under category. The, yes, when you're the category of cancer. Yep. And then uh, what other what uh you know what else what else is there i'm curious like from your bird's eye view of the whole healthcare industry i mean like because oh, you're saying um, the whole like b to b to b you know like there's kind of all these like, massive companies that are behind the scenes orchestrating everything <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know if they would say orchestrating um, <laughs> i would say you know i think when i take a step back and look at the healthcare landscape you know there's you know, in, from an industry perspective, there's the deliver, like you said, it's the delivery of care and yeah. it's the management of the care. And then it's like, unfortunately or fortunately in the United States, it is a large part of our like economic system. I mean, I think that the government pays for, you know, ha- you know, 50% of its budget goes to healthcare. I mean, it's a 50% lot- of the government I budget. Know, you're probably gonna I, I think I, I think I've heard like 18%. Of the GDP of the of our national GDP. Yeah, so I would look at the you uh, have your producer edit that out if I'm incorrect, but like I think it's a pretty large percentage of. Yeah, that makes sense though. Yeah. Is Medicare and Medicaid, mm-hmm. and um, or is this like second behind defense spending? And so, um, you know, I think when you look at it at a large scale, we have to think of a more economically viable way to deliver care and there i mean lots of different theories on how to do that <laughs> mm, yeah uh and i know we briefly talked about this earlier but oh what do you think the future of digital medicine would look like in 10 to 20 years i think the future of digital medicine i hope is much more like we experience in other industries um, and that we can provide that it's much more seamlessly integrated. So if you think about, um, if you take Amazon, for example, they have created a business to business marketplace that the consumer, you and I aren't even aware of the dynamics that are happening behind the scenes. And they've made it so seamless and they've done it so instant access to whatever. Um, and then, and I hope that within healthcare, it becomes more about providing people with instant access to care and how mm. they're paid for becomes less of a, something that's on the burden of the consumer, but yeah. they're getting the care they need from the doctors they want for the specialists they need. Um, and they're getting it in a much more like simplified manner where, mm-hmm. Perhaps the the companies are, you know, so what Amazon did, I'll just give you the example. I recently bought a pair of shoes at Amazon and I needed to return them. And I went to Whole Foods to return them. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I don't even know where I got those shoes from. Don't know the company. I didn't have, you know, all I know is I walked into Whole Foods, they scanned the barcode, they took it, and I got refunded. And so I hope healthcare, like, Gets, I'm about to do that this afternoon with a, one of my returns. <laughs> where it's like, if you need help, you can 
get figure out where you need to go who someone navigates you um you get the help you need and it's figured out in the back end um you know you know without you having to burden of all those different things um and whether that's um so really it's vertical integration mm. of the whole system would be great um whether that's the doctors um the provider care delivery or like com- you know building more digital capabilities like companies yeah. like one medical have done or it's you know the health plans working like across you know yeah. I, I don't know the solution i think we'll figure that out in the next 10 years um or, or it's the- cool you say that about you know getting your care instantly and kind of just like almost like simplifying it so that it's simpler you know it's like you talking to your doc and, and uh you know this makes me think of, of a quote from the the Tao Te Ching or the in Chinese it's Tao Te Ching it's like this famous like Taoist philosophy text but anyways the if the quote is like the movement of the Tao is returning and what I mean by that is um I feel like there's this trend of this desire to like want to return to a simpler time or more pure or or even yeah like you know like oh just kind of you and your doc face to face you get the care and it's funny because like we that's kind of what we started with you know maybe a hundred years ago and then things have just gotten more and more complex uh but we're kind of like trying to use technology to like bring it back to that simpler more pure interaction um and I think that Amazon story almost kind of gives me hope because it's it's funny because uh, you know in the old days you just go to your shoe store you buy a shoe you didn't like or and then you'd return it, yeah. <laughs> you know, but now it's like you can buy any shoe, for, yeah, that you want from the world, you know. Amazon probably has millions of shoes, and then it arrives at your door, you know. You don't even have to go to the store, you know. You can get like overnight shipping, and if you don't like it, you can well, just drop it off at Whole Foods. Hours, two hours. Yeah, two hours, and then you can just drop it off at Whole Foods if you don't like it, and then, like, you don't even have to pull out your credit card. It's all done, and so that kind of gives me hope in the sense of maybe you know, with medicine, we can improve it and still keep it pure or yeah. you know that simple pure feeling. That's my hope. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I mean, if you think about like the journey of a cancer, you know, any patient, right? Like they meet with a doctor, you're probably going to have tests prescribed. If you think there's something wrong, if you could do that all like in like, in, like, you know, in that instant, like, okay, you need this test and arrives at my door within two hours. Like, you know, you can, and then the doctor sees the results and then can talk to you about the results. And if you need to go to a specialist and you can show them your lack of better words, order history, like what yeah. has, your experience and who have you met with um and you can do that all conveniently like access to you know whoever you know a specialist in the area i think you know it's only going to get better and yeah yeah but we have to set that kind of what's your ceiling becomes your floor if you will like you have to keep raising the bar of what we can expect um and then and i feel like the like I started with, I'm very optimistic for, you know, the fact that we're even having this podcast today, like true. Yeah. You've been in healthcare for 20 years, you're in fourth year med school, and we're talking about how we can improve things together. Um, I just think it's amazing um, where we can go. 
Yeah, that brings me to my next question. Uh, what advice would you give to recent grads or even to yourself, you know, as a when yeah. you first graduated? You know, I would say, oh, what advice? I would say the advice I have, I give to a lot of people um, is, you know, enjoy the journey. Number one, it can, you know, zoom out, <laughs> enjoy the journey as much as you can. Um, and, you know, I tell any leaders this in all walks of life. And I think it's so important for you med students because you are a natural leader. Um, like, it is, you know, you put on that white coat, you are, you know, the natural leader in the room. Um, you know, your vulnerability is your strength. And I think Brene Brown said that. And I say that with to any leader, you know, be continually looking to improve, like learn and like what I've seen from you, David, just to be just the, you're doing the right things. You, Michael, your team, you know, the folks oh, thank you. doing like, I love your passion and your desire to keep learning. So I would say, enjoy the journey and uh, just keep being vulnerable about you know what you have to learn and where we can go and how we can make things better, so. Oh, thank you, Joy. Um, and then uh, another question um, is <laughs> any advice for, you know, like people in medicine who are interested in industry or like non-traditional careers? Yeah. You know, I would say um, non-traditional career. So that's interesting. Um, I would say um, do, you know, intentionally network. And so what I mean by that is like, it's, you know, really easy to get like this group of people and you're very homogeneous, even though you don't realize it. And the best of career advice I ever got was to be intent, create an intentional network of people who are literally stratify, think about, write it down. Cause if you write it down, you're 80% more likely to do it. There's some fun fact like that. Oh, but, wow. <laughs> yeah. Like if you write down your goals, <laughs> you're more likely to do it. Amazing. Makes sense. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, there's people who are mentors, like official mentors. There's people who are career advocates. There's people who are connectors that maybe have like a broader view of the world um, and really think about how do you not, and then there's people you just, you have because you have an organic network and you work with every day. And it's very normal to over-index on the people that you oh, might work with every day. That's cool advice. Uh-huh. But you have to intentionally like network <laughs> um, and make sure you have people in every category, even though you'll probably have 80% of the people that you work with every day. Um, so you said that there's, there's mentors, there's, there's mentors, career advocates. advocates. Yep. And then what's the third one? There's people that you have in your network. Oh, that are connectors. That are connectors. And huh. you know who they are if you think about it. Yeah. Right? Like, um, and then there's the people you work with every day who are great network as well wow. and so that's cool advice wow what's so, the difference between a, a mentor and a career advocate well so a mentor is typically more formal relationship well one of the two i don't know which bucket <laughs> one is more formal where you're like i want to get this job and you're very thoughtful on like how you interact with them like you're you know you're very thoughtful on their 
position, if you will, um, so they can advocate for you. And then there's mentors who, frankly, you can ask your most vulnerable. You're probably asking how I prepare for the meeting with the other person. Oh, okay. Do you see the difference? Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. So that, that's really good advice. That's the advice that I've gotten. And through the years, like I've not been perfect at it, but I would say this last year, I really focused, I actually joined the women's mentoring program and it's been fantastic. And it's forced me to do more of the formal mentoring. I had done a lot of informal before. Um, and it, and I've had an opportunity to talk to a lot of folks in different industry, like different parts of the industry. So how, how do you, um, find a, a mentor? You know, how do you, do you have any advice for that? Um, I think mentors are, well, it depends on what you see as a mentor. If you're doing the, like, I find mentors in all walks of life. I actually believe there's mentors that are kind of at your career stage, above your career stage, and then below. Um, I get a, I'm very open that I've had millennial mentors throughout my, like, in the last 10 years that have mentored me. Now I think it's Gen Z mentors, and I look at <laughs> the next generation to keep me, um, cool and humble. Um, but then I actually did officially join a mentoring group this year. And some of my other friends did as well. And I think it's about like literally committing like payment or something to like join a group um, or applying creates, you know, with a fixed time length, I would literally encourage you to just kind of look online, LinkedIn, or use your network um, to find a formal mentoring group. So Cool. And uh, I do have some closing questions. Uh, these um, are kind of like some new questions that I want to start asking this season, a bit more just uh, kind of like deeper questions, uh, such as, uh, you know, one, uh, what would you say gives your life meaning? Um, I'll, I'll ask three max. I'll, I'll, maybe I'll just ask two, but my first one will be, yeah, what would you say gives your life meaning? My gosh. Well, I think you, for me, it's my family. It's, I try to find the balance between um, family, friends, and, and work. And I have been fortunate to found healthcare 17 years ago. So it's been mission driven. So I get a lot of enjoyment um, and positivity from helping people through the work and the products that I bring to market. Um, and so that's one and two, like I keep, and I lose weight sometimes, so I'm not perfect, but I always try to reinforce, you know, you got to enjoy the journey, not the destination. Like you just, you know, and keeping that mindset and keeping a sense of humor about it, not, um, and, you know, is very important. Enjoy the journey, enjoy the people, remember to look up and, uh, celebrate your accomplishments to look up yeah yeah like mm -hmm. look around and you know celebrate those accomplishments so mm. uh this second question i need to ask because your name is joy uh i want to say what would you say brings your life joy i mean i you know i i think i kind of just answer it so it's funny you say that though um because I have gotten that question a lot, like, it's so funny being named Joy, like, mm -hmm. am I an eternal optimist because of nature or nurture, huh. like, 
or because of my name. So I would say, you know, just having a healthy, balanced lifestyle with everything from going to the gym to, you know, finding the right balance. And like I said, just celebrating the small things and continue to look up and look around and celebrate what you have. So I think people, yeah, always zoom out. Mm. <laughs> You're doing great things. <laughs> like every day is a, is a blessing to be, I'm fortunate to not have been diagnosed with a chronic condition. I'm fortunate to be healthy. I'm fortunate to have a family. So I would say continue to zoom out. And my last question would be, uh, what do you wish for from the universe? <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. What do I wish for? I mean, come on, peace. <laughs> yeah. On. Would, yeah. Like, you know, can we, let's all just get along. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> um, yeah. Awesome. These are good yeah. questions. Thank you. Thank you so much, Joy. It was, it's honestly, it's been so fun talking to you. Um, yeah. I've learned a lot about the industry, you know, uh, just kind of the things outside of medicine that are still medicine, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, it's really, really cool. Yeah. And honestly, like I said about mentoring, I've learned so much from you and the, frankly, the clinicians that are you guys early in your careers. It's been awesome to see. And so thank you for having me. This has been a great burst of energy. It's, a zoom out if you will you know and it's been a zoom out for me too <laughs> thank you all right 